the Mama Knows Not a Podcast. We're going to talk about the spectrum of fatherhood today with Jimmy. I know I have him high school. He happened to answer a post that I put up, and I'm so stoked that he did because I think he's going to bring a lot of value for dads, moms, and just parents in general with what it's like to be a parent. So, Jimmy, thank you so much for sharing some of your time with us. I think this is awesome. I can't wait to hear your story. Um, and so let's just get right into it. Um, tell us a little bit about your dad life. How did you feel when you first found out your wife was pregnant and you were going to be a dad? Yeah. So, I mean, probably everybody would say surprise, right? But I remember exactly that moment. I'm like hard getting choked up, you know, thinking about that, like oh, that moment. That's so sweet. I was standing at the top of my steps. I think I walked up there and, uh, or no, she was, I was down in the kitchen. She was like calling me up screaming my name from the top of this step so i go run up the <laughs> steps and she's holding like the pregnancy test and you just see like two lines and Aww. it's like you know something we wanted but it wasn't necessarily like something that was like planned like our second pregnancy was like very planned and took a mm -hmm. lot of effort where this one was like much more effortless so it was like a it was a surprise like the Aww. best surprise you could ever have and just like really like shock disbelief um that's awesome like emotions like I, I think both of us just wanted to tell our immediate family tell i think we first yeah. told her mom then we called my mom and then my sister so just you know excite excitement for sure i mean obviously a lot of the same Aww. emotions that everybody has oh my we were like flabbergasted i wasn't supposed to be able to have kids i talk about that a lot in the podcast so and then my husband was like what excuse me i'm like looks like um Looks like we're taking a left instead of a right, babe. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, so, that's a nice little detour. Congrats. I didn't know that. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, life happens, right? And there's always things that come up. You're like, oh, shoulda, coulda, woulda, or not. It's impossible. What does that even mean sometimes? Um, so no, we I, feel really fortunate. Yeah, I hear that yeah. time and time again, but it is like an absolute miracle and things just kind of happen mm -hmm. on their own terms. Exactly. It's like... You know, I couldn't be on birth control for 10 years. And then all of a sudden in my early thirties, I'm pregnant. Like, really? <laughs> okay. So, so there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, anything can happen. Yeah. Uh, I, I always like to ask dads this question. Um, what was it like to watch your wife become a mom? So, you know, that's actually like a hard question to put into words. Mm. Um, mm, I think that my favorite thing in the world is just watching her interact with my son and now i have a daughter too so mm. interacting with my kids but like i just remember a couple weeks back this new park in the area um it's like a nature park it's all just built around nature with like logs to climb on nice. there's like a path through wildflowers down to a creek that pours into the susquehanna and she's just like cool. walking through the creek with my son and he's like experiencing something for the first time that you know like resonates with my childhood of like exploring in the woods yeah. and walking through the creeks and doing all that and like seeing my wife with him like experiencing that and and just mm -hmm. that's like just one instance that i can immediately like think of is just like the best thing just like watching my wife's love like pour into my kids and no. she is like really just absolutely amazing she is an amazing wow. mother you're gonna, make, you're gonna make me cry <laughs> God. Oh my God. I, I, didn't, I don't have tissues handy. Okay. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> That's so sweet. 
Now, um, one thing too is she, um, with both pregnancies, she suffered from postpartum depression. And that's something I never told ooh. you. So that's something like very real. And as a, mm-hmm. as a husband, seeing your wife go through something that you can't control and that you can't solve is tough because like mm-hmm. as, as the husband, like I'm always like, feel like I need to be the problem solver. And when she has a problem, mm-hmm. even though she's not like soliciting advice half the time, I'm always like trying to solve that problem. So to like see right. her go through the emotional struggles of the postpartum, which really does affect like one in every five women. It's like 20% of women go through like real postpartum depression. It's, it was, Crazy. was really tough. And, you know, I just feel like there's not like enough support for women when it comes to the postpartum. Mm-hmm. They just like in her instance had a C-section. So they just like literally like cut a baby out of you, send you home Ooh. in three days, like, Try not to pick up your baby, by the way. Like, you can pick up the baby, but you can't pick up the car seat, you know, like, cause like she had a C-section and just like, just, you know, but you can't take, you don't have time to take care of yourself. You got to take care of this kid. And it's just like, it was like really tough. Like seeing her go through that was, yeah, was really hard. I'm a big proponent of if mom's not okay, no one's okay. Like, honestly, especially like in postpartum. And it's, I think it's so hard cause those, you know, questionnaires they give you, you know, six weeks after, like the one time you go to your doctor, it's like, we all know how to lie on those. Come on. And all of us don't want to feel crazy or like we can't. And I think in a way that's like a cultural thing too. Like we feel like we can't ask for help. Oh, absolutely. Like the stigma is real. Yeah. And, And then as women, you know, like what's pater- what's paternity time? Like, let's not even talk about maternity. Like what's paternity time? Like in so many other cultures, like dads have time off too, you know, even if it's just a couple of weeks, like just to get acclimated. And then here you are as a woman in the States and one of the most industrialized, like sophisticated cultures and you're back to work six weeks later and your hormones haven't readjusted and you're still trying to figure out how to like care for this child and yourself. And your body is just in this like weird flux and we expect women to be <laughs> like ready to jump back into everything. Yeah, like, like let me go to work in diapers because that's kind of where you're at right. like, six weeks later. And this first six weeks as a, as a parent, like the first six weeks, whether it's your first kid or your fifth, like those are, that's how we, like those are the hardest times. And I tell people when they have their first kid, like the, when they're like, does it right. get easier? Does it get easier? Like get to six weeks. And once you get to six right. weeks, like that three month mark, things get way easier at that three month mark. But that six week really like probably not waking up seven to eight times a night. They're probably waking up four, five times a night. And like, it makes a huge difference. And they're yeah, just difference. more of like aware of being in the world. Um, mm-hmm. They can do a little bit more besides like just lay there and be completely helpless. Not that they can do yeah. a whole lot, but yeah, I mean, just like throw a woman back into work after like six weeks of having either a natural birth or a C-section, your body went through so much, your hormones, Anything. like you said, just haven't balanced. It's, it's really, I mean, like you said, like for America, like if that's like the norm, it's just kind of odd. And like with, with fatherhood, I'm juggling my PTO, just trying to, right. you know, take care of my wife, take care of my kids, adjust as like, like being a dad for the first time and like learning what Mm -hmm. that's all about. So yeah, Mm -hmm. it was, the beginning was definitely tough. Well, I I also think about like postpartum that we don't 
emphasizes it can happen anytime in that like first year, year and a half. It doesn't have to be immediately after. It could be six to 12 months, even 18 months after that it like hits you. Like, cause we're all on different timelines for healing, you know, like any, our, every woman's journey, any person's journey with everything. It's, it's like, there's a bell curve, right? But even in the bell curve, there's, you know, yeah, you have your outliers differentiation, but right? also like so going... you have your outliers, but like, how do you, you, but even in that, like that top of the curve, there's still there's differences, you know? So like, I, yeah, I felt fine six weeks later, but I know women who a year later didn't feel good. So, and people who didn't have any symptoms, like one of my best friends, like we had our daughter, our kid, not our daughters, our kids at the same time. She has a daughter. I have a son and she had like postpartum and I couldn't even tell. And I saw her every day and you're like, what, you know, like, so those kinds of things too. So I just, I think it's just a good thing that you brought that up as from the spouse perspective of how tough it is to watch and how tough it is. Like it can be to identify yeah, no, absolutely. And you have to check in on your, on your spouse. And like, I did the best I could, but it just, it seems like, and maybe I'm guilty of it too, but like when she's like talking to her family and talking to friends, it's always, mm-hmm. how's the baby? How's Jim? You know, no one's like, how are you? And I know that was mm-hmm. just like really hard. And then like you said, how like it, it can affect you like six months down the road, a year down the road. Mm-hmm. Not only are you dealing with something that could be postpartum depression just from like a hormone imbalance or change of life. Mm-hmm. But the um, just a struggle with like your identity because it's like now you're mm. a mom. Um, I know with my wife being self-employed, she struggled with that tremendously because she Amen. worked so hard. She still continues to work so hard. And now she's juggling her professional life with her um, wife life and with her parent life and with her like social life and it's just like kids mm-hmm. come first and really from like 7 a.m to 7 p.m we're like non-stop just being freaking parents and it's it's, right. it's tough so when i'm like i work from home when i'm done my job like i can check out like no one's really bothering me all that much right. because i work for a company with her like she tries to do some work while the kids are napping or while they're eating totally. stuff like that but like she's just as tired as me. And now she has to like, you know, go do work. Otherwise it's not going to get done. So it's, I think that struggle right there of like the, um, just like the identity change becoming a mom. Like I, I saw that and I still, I still continue to, and she still kind of can struggle with that. Um, your son just turned three. We were talking about before we recorded mine turned four in April and I still struggle with that. Like somebody said something to me that finally resonated And it was like, it's not your time to shine. And I was like, oh yeah, that's so true. And a year ago that would have angered me because I'm like, why not? You know, I'm not just a mom, like I'm so capable. And you feel, and again, I think this is a cultural thing. Like it's so hard for me, I'll speak for myself to enjoy some of the little moments because I'm thinking about all the other things I could do. So tonight, before we got on this, this call, like we were playing Yahtzee with Declan and sorry, you know, like playing like games with him. And we haven't done that in a really long time, but it's like something stupid and little. That's just like a bonding thing, you know, Absolutely. whereas before I would have tried to like put on music, he loves to dance and then like do the dishes. And I was like, Oh, let's play a game instead. You know, 
And my husband's 12 years older than me. So he's the breadwinner. He's the financial provider. And sometimes it's really hard for me. I mean, until we got together, I was independent. No one paid my bills. No one took care of me. So accepting that and right, then yeah. having to identify, I'm just like, I'm assuming your wife sounds kind of similar in, in a way. Like she's got her thing. She wants to do it. And it's so hard to be a mom and wanting to do your thing and also wanting to be present for your child. Because wherever, for me, wherever I am, I, I think about the other thing because I'm working on like, I should be, I should be with my kid. I should be putting him down. Oh, I'm putting my kid on. I should be writing something. I should be outlining something. I should be trying to find an interview. I, I should, I should, I should, I should. And it's like, but you know what? In this moment, the reason it's not exploding is it's not my time. And that's okay. I'm still going to do what I love and I'm going to make time for it. But it's so hard to let that that professionalism go. Yeah. It's so hard. So I feel for Basically, what I'm trying to say is I feel for her. Like, I totally know what she's going through. Yeah, 100%. I do too. And I think I've, like, put off, like, my bigger plans. Like, I've kind of been saying for a while, like, maybe it's not my time. But, like, everything she's mm. doing, like, she's setting us up. So like soon it will be, mm-hmm. you know? And so like, mm-hmm. it really is like a struggle with her, but she works harder than anybody I mm-hmm. know. Like, I think it was over the past six months, she just wrote a 96,000 word novel. Nice. Series one of three, wow. you know? So like she did that wow. while being like a full-time stay-at-home mom while running two e-commerce sites while doing some freelance work at the same time. Um, that she tried to pass off like five times, but they literally dragged her kicking and screaming, sign on the dotted line. <laughs> and so she like, I need, I need her. her. I need her. How does she stay organized? <laughs> I need her. I, need her, I don't need know. Her it's not through a list. I'll tell you that, but it's like all in the head. All in her head. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. She's oh very, very driven. Wow. I love that. That's, a, that's actually now I want to, I'm going to come to visit you guys. She'd be hey, a more interesting person secrets. to talk to, to be honest. I mean, you're stuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> if she wants to talk, she can too. I, I always like the dual perspective. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit more about your kids. So you have two, the three-year-old yeah, Henry, sure. right? Yeah. So Hen- and then Henry. The, the baby, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So his name's Hendrick, but we, we oh. call him Henry. I like yeah. Hend- I love that Hendrick is that's cool. Mm-hmm. His or his grandfather's name's Roderick, and we like the name Henry, so we named him Hendrick. Um, uh, we spelled it a, li- so a little cool. differently than Hendrick too, so he's probably like the only one with that name. It's how we spell it, but it's kind of like Roderick and it's Hendrick. So, but we call him Henry. Like we never call him Hendrick. And same with my daughter. So she's ten months. She'll be ten months in a couple of days, like two days, and um, or no, tomorrow. And um, ah! she's Charlotte, but we call her Charlie. And like, she's never been really Charlotte. Like, it's always just like Charlie. Um, when she so was like cute. a real nut, when she was younger, like we call her Chucky, but not after like the crazy <laughs> doll. You know what I mean? But it's just like Chucky. <laughs> That's what I went. Yeah, everybody does. So I, went. I don't know. It's just like a nickname that stuck. But she's, That's you know, so full Charlie Rose. It's my daughter. She's 10 months. So Henry, Henry's, um, like neurodiverse, he's on the autism spectrum. And we can get a little mm-hmm. bit more into that. My daughter, Charlie, she's 10 months. So like, we don't know um, mm-hmm. when like, really autism doesn't really like develop or start showing signs why it's, it's there at birth, but you don't start mm-hmm. seeing signs of it till like six to 12 months. 
Um, mm-hmm. So, like, if you ask me, being her, she's like 10 months now, like, if you asked me three or four months ago, like, do you think she's on the spectrum? I'd be like, no, she's like neurotypical as can be. She is mm-hmm. um, way different than Henry. You know, she has stranger danger for one. Like, that's something he didn't have as a kid. You could pass him on. Mm-hmm. I could pass him on to you. I could pass him on to you right now, and he would hang out with you for a month. And then, like, I'll come back, and he'd probably. At this wow. point, I think he'd probably say daddy, but it like, it wouldn't be this run to me and everything else like that with Charlie. Oh, like when she hears my voice, like if I come downstairs when I'm getting off work, I work from home most of the time, like she hears my voice and she starts squeaking and flapping and like, you know, she's like really happy to see me. So like a lot of differences there. Um, so sweet. but yeah, with like the stranger danger, but then, and I still don't know, like even when with Henry, like when we first, I'm like, I'll go into a little bit more detail about like his like diagnosis process and everything like that but like you go mm-hmm. through once kind of people put it in your head that there might be something like different then mm-hmm. you're like oh well maybe you know i kind of see it like maybe i'm like 50 50 and then i'm like oh well mm-hmm. at 90 percent, he's he's neurotypical or 10 percent, he's autistic then you're 90 yeah. percent, he's autistic 10 percent uh, neuro like typical and we're kind of like going that through that with like my daughter now, actually like more last month than right now, because I feel like she's kind of opened up a lot over the past week or two. But like mm-hmm. we've been seeing some similarities with her, um, with all the differences, but you like you see some similarities, like her eye contact mm-hmm. is not 100% there, like especially when you hold her, she, she'll like look past you in any direction. She won't look you in the eye. And like that's something Henry struggles with a lot. Um, but like when I walk into a room, she'll be staring at me for a while. She was like, just fascinated with anything that spun. And so I'd like walk into her room, would turn her fan off. She had a little box fan on there. Um, you know, obviously it's a good idea to keep a like moving air in your kids, um, right. room because of SIDS and everything. So both kids still to the stay, they sleep with fans and like, she would just be like glued on that spinning box fan she would not take her eyes off mm-hmm. of it and then like you get her out of the crib she'd want to like go over to it but that also can just be like a very like neurotypical thing too like some kids can just yeah. be fascinated like i even brought it up with her pediatrician at her nine month appointment last month and she was like my kids were her neurotypical they like they were at church fascinated with the ceiling fans so yeah it's just like Declan was too. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so it can but be it's, it's hard to like gauge you know what i mean like it's hard and once you have one child who has a diagnosis, like it's hard, you don't want to like project, but it's also hard to like, you want to catch the warning signs. You don't want to miss them. No, absolutely. You know? Like that, that's, that's how I would be like, plus we don't know like, what's normal. What's not normal. Like how, you know what I mean? We just don't anyway. even know what like normal 10 month old looks like. Cause I've never had one, you know what I mean? So like, there's that struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm by no means like an expert at autism. You know, I've been, like thrown into it and it affects my everyday mm-hmm. for the past year and a half because now he just turned mm-hmm. three. So, um, I mean, do you want to talk a little bit that about like what we saw with Henry sure. and like how we yeah, came yeah, to yeah, find go. out he was on the autism spectrum? So totally. yeah, yeah. Dive right in. I guess every pediatrician is different, but the one we went to mm. at the time, it would always give us the same survey. And we just thought it was like gauging milestones. We didn't think it was anything right. other than that. But it would ask certain questions like, does your kid respond to his name? Is he Mm, pointing to things? Is he looking to where you're pointing? Um, Dozens of other things. But we took that Mm -hmm. survey 
like every single time. And you know how many times you're in the pedi- pediatric office, like over the first year, year and a half, it's, it's often. Yeah. And it wasn't, and, and we were like in a, at a good doctor's when we thought it was good. It was like mm-hmm. in a, like a decent part of town. It's like all my sister's mm-hmm. kids went there, but like, I feel like we never had like a consistent doctor. You always like see someone different. It was kind of right. frustrating. Um, and yeah. then finally we like saw this one lady and everything was fine during the year and a half appointment. I got home, I was working. She called me. She's like, oh, I forgot to mention, like we noticed on the blah, blah, blah survey that you took, like your sh- your son shows markers for early autism. So that was like the first mm. time we ever suspected that because we're like, my kid can count to 20. He knows every <laughs> single letter. He identifies shapes, but it's like, you're right. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know mommy. He doesn't know daddy. He doesn't know who he is. He doesn't point to things. He can't, he doesn't look when you point, right. you, you hold him. You know, if I grab him, like, mm-hmm. Hey, how are you doing? Like, he'll be like, you know, like looking everywhere. He'll be looking through you. It's like so hard to right. get his, his attention. So you're like, wow. Like, mm-hmm. so that's what like a child on the autism spectrum could look like. Like this is one version of someone who's autistic. So totally at a year and a half. Wow. Uh, once we he knew his numbers and letters at a year and a half. Oh yeah, he's like mainly through music because he loved his he, he loves still to this day like music videos, super simple songs, and um like yeah he knows his alphabet and that's the weird thing because like even to this day he can't say more than one to three words when he's mm-hmm. expressing a want or a need or trying to communicate. But right. he can sing the entire Twinkle Twinkle Little Star from memory. Um, a YouTube commercial comes on that I've only seen maybe two or three times. He hums the entire jingle, and that's mm, pretty wild. Interesting. And um, that's incredible. Yeah, it, it is incredible. And like, but that's also to say, like, while that's a lot of people's like perception of autism is like superpowers and like i hear it all the time like mm, and people mean mm-hmm. well when they say this he's gonna be right. an engineer he's gonna be this he's gonna be that and you're just like well like he will be whatever he wants to be and i could see him possibly exactly. being those things but he also could just really have many daily struggles which most people right. on the autism spectrum do they have daily yeah. struggles it isn't like you know not everybody's elon musk Right. Even if you do excel at something, like a lot of times it takes so much effort to get there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's what we see right now. And that's like with autism, it's like normal behaviors that come just natural to your son are Mm -hmm. things that have to be taught and instilled in our son. Not that we have Mm -hmm. to teach him to conform to some definition of normalcy, but I'm just talking about like communicating like his wants Mm -hmm. and needs, like, pointing to things he will point to Mm -hmm. everything now he will point to things to get my attention that took Mm -hmm. up until he that took a good 12 months to like master that skill those papa books or like books with like the little pop dots that make the noises yeah like i said he loves to count so we got the farm version we mean we had a bunch of them because he would like destroy them and all but like the farm one it would be like (laughs) five pigs so we're like how many pigs and he would count one push the thing two three four five right just doing that all the time and then you know obviously interacting with him trying to get him to interact back with us like that really helped Mm -hmm. you like unlock that behavior and it took so much effort 
but as a parent, like even to this day when he's like pointing at something, um, you know, like I was like, Hey, what's that? It was a possum. He has a stuffed possum and he's like gerbil, you know, and then he grabs it and holds it up. He's like gerbil. And I'm just like, I have it on video. I'm going to send it to you. It's just like so funny. Totally. And I'm just like so proud of him for that. You know, like to identify that as a gerbil and to like point to it and to understand I'm asking a question. Like, yeah, those are the joys of fatherhood on the spectrum, like for sure. Like, while we definitely struggle with not being able to experience like certain things that a lot of our friends experience, whether it's like imaginative play, having like fr freaking building like yeah. forts or having tea time, whatever it is, like we get like the biggest sense of joy and pride from just these like tiny little accomplishments. Like today we were, he was having kind of a meltdown, like one of his sensory issues is sound, which his relationship mm. with his sister, it's kind of like oil and water and it can be. And like, even if it's, especially when she's crying, like it was really bad. And so like, it's not funny, but, but it is, you know, like I can totally understand. I can totally see Cause I know a lot of people in the spectrum. I do. I told you that I do volunteer work. Yeah. Like I get it, but it's not funny, but it's like, I could see where that would be. No, I get it. Like he would, if you put her, if she, if he was holding her oh, as like a baby, he like, he tried tossing her before like, you know, we wouldn't let her, but he'd just be like, done. You know what I mean? All done. Just like tossing. Fair. But, um, I mean, that's a natural response. <laughs> yeah. So it's like certain height, like certain pitches <gasps> oh definitely bother him. Like accordion yeah. noises, carnival noises, like those kind of like louder tones, which are very similar to like a kid crying, her happy mm -hmm. noises and her like babbles and stuff will set him off. So like today it was kind of setting him off because he was tired. It was right after lunch. So they're all like coming up the steps. Right. Because they both go to bed at one o'clock, take a nap, and like I hear him starting to get upset. So I go in, I go out in the hallway and I grab him. And I I my office right in here, it's also our guest room. So I've got a queen size bed right on the other side of my desk, and I like toss him on the bed mm -hmm. into the pillows and I tickle him because he's like a sensory seeker. Like he loves sensory oh, interesting. and he loves to be tickled. So immediately his demeanor just like completely changed and he's you know, more tickle, wow. more tickle again, again. He's fine. He's ready to go to bed. I hand him off to my wife. She got the baby in the crib. So I hand her, hand him off to Shelby. She puts him down. And this is like the first time this happened was today. It was like literally today. He goes to her. I see daddy and points to the door. And that meant like he wants to go see me. You know, he's like, let's go see daddy. So she brings him in. I got to toss him on the bed and tickle him a couple of times. And then he goes, he goes to bed, you know, he's like past that meltdown where you're able to like regulate. So like, just like those tiny things, like as a three-year-old, him saying like those three words to us is like, just mm -hmm. huge. It's just absolutely huge. huge. Well, and the fact that you guys have learned how to navigate like meltdowns, because I mean, all toddlers have meltdowns, but some are definitely more aggressive or volatile or debilitating than others. Like, you know, Declan's a different story. Like he, he... I'm always like, feel your feelings, buddy. Like, that's cool. I get it. But like, if you're going to throw stuff or stomp and shout and like smack, you're going to go in your room and do it where you can be safe, you know, because let's be real here. We all want to throw something, stomp and shout and hit something like, but let's be productive. And he like, he gets that. And yeah, he's a year older. Sure. But like, he's neurotypical. Like, so I can rationalize with a four-year-old way more than it, most people can 
And that is that is a that is a gift. Like, it is good you can rationalize it. with that because, like, it's. I mean, it's acceptable for us to freak out over something that's like petty. You know what I mean? Just be annoyed right. and just have no patience. So, like, why is that not okay for like a three or four year old to do the same? Right. I think it's so important to validate the emotion. You know, I read all these things and I follow all these people, and I, um, that's one thing I, I can't drive home enough for like parenting in general and something that I've learned and something that I've had to really be cognizant about is like, you have to validate what they're feeling. It doesn't mean it's logical. I mean, how logical are our feelings? Even as adults, like they're not like, I get frustrated with my husband because he's not finished work on time. I get frustrated because the dog peed on the floor. I get frustrated because the cat scratched me. I get, you know, all these things. Right. And I can vocalize that tiny people can't generally speaking. Yeah. And you know, I see that with, I'm sorry, continue. No, no, you're fine. Totally. Well, I I see that with Henry on the spectrum where it's because he really can't communicate his needs. Mm -hmm. If he hurts himself, I can't say like what hurts, you know, he can't express like what hurts. So um, that adds to the meltdown because it's like, you can see the internal frustration of not Mm -hmm. being able to share his feelings on top of everything exactly. else, which is also just like the way his body just processes certain sensory inputs. And with autism, mm-hmm. it's a whole lot of sensory, you know, you're, it's so it's all sensorial. It's so everything about it is, has to do with a sense, whether it's see, hearing, touch, taste, like it's, you know, it's your five senses for sure. I mean, there's, kids and just people on the spectrum they're like i can't be in this classroom there's i smell ants like there's you know it's not (laughs) uncommon for people to be able to smell ants like google it it's like a legit thing it's so true and like it's it sounds crazy but it's true mm -hmm. yeah i get it totally i think that's i think that's interesting thing because there's such toddlerdom is a really interesting thing like everybody wants to generalize like oh this is what you should expect and this is how toddlers are and blah, 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 blah. And it is kind of hard to differentiate when your child, when your child is neurodiverse because they're still developing in so many ways, but there's certain milestones that need to be mastered. You know, like I, I'm, I'm sure in the next like year or two, his vocabulary will develop, but it's going to take work. Yeah, it's you know going to take I mean? a lot like, of work. And if if he hasn't hit a certain milestone by like, and this is what people, um, I think miss sometimes is like not every kid is the same. You know, it's so like my nephew, for example, he didn't talk until say his first word till he was like two and a half, uh, and everybody was rightfully worried about him. Um, but it was also the manner in which he was. Uh, socialized. Like he just had my sister and that was it. Like nobody else, no other kids, uh, no social interactions, all that kind of stuff. And so when he actually like started speaking, he was like full sentences and everybody was like super surprised. And you're like, Oh, that's interesting. But we forget like there's, there's aberrations to every rule and we want to generalize kids and what they should do. And we forget that, like, we're all on our own path, you know, and toddlers, you just can't like, if they're not hitting certain things, most of the time, that's a problem. And it needs, and so kudos to you and your wife for like 
jumping in there and identifying his struggles and catering well, to that's them. That's what and, a lot of specialists say, you know? for sure. They're always like, you guys are doing great. But there's an, an analogy that kind of hits on what you just said. And I, I kind of like it's corny. I didn't make it up, but it's like all the popcorn kernels are thrown into the oil at the same time, but they all pop differently. Right. So it's like, you can never compare your kid oh, I love with mm -mm. someone else's and like, um, everybody just you know, Shelby has a design in one of her stores. It's just, we all bloom differently. You know, it's a picture of a cat yeah. in a flower field. I love that. And I've got a shirt. Henry's got that shirt. You know what I mean? I've got a similar stuff for like his sister to wear, you know, to like advocate for that because it's mm -hmm. so true. Um, but like with his, cause you were like kind of hidden on his vocabulary, like Henry, like I said, he can count to like, he can read numbers to 100 easily. And like, he knows all the alphabet, like phonetic alphabet. Um, I can teach him any word within the matter of like just a minute or less. Yeah. His, his communication challenges are really receptive communication. And like, there's a big difference between it being able to mm. talk and to be able to, um, Mm. understand what people are saying like that's what receptive communication is it's like how like their ability to interpret what is being communicated to them and like that's really what he struggles with like he can i can say at this point like through therapy and being taught how what to do in repetition do you want pizza or do you want a sandwich and he'll say sandwich or he'll say mm. pizza do you want cereal or, or do you want sandwich you know because we give him a lot of pbj he's a very picky eater um and he'll say cereal or he'll say sandwich but i can't like say like are you hungry i can't say like are you hungry he won't be able gotcha. to answer that but i think i really do think we're gonna get there i'm like i yeah. definitely know we are um it's kind of crazy like this weekend we went to an amusement park up here in pa called knobles and it was for, yes! you know about oh Knobles? My God, I love <laughs> um 45 minutes away <laughs> I live like right there. I'm like 25 miles. Oh my God. I used to camp there every yeah. summer as a it's, kid. It's the best. So <laughs> like, and like my wife, obviously being from central PA, like <gasps> she grew up on Canopus. So like, that's what we did oh for his God. third birthday. And Amazing. we stopped, we all had sandwiches. Like we packed a cooler filled with all sorts of stuff. Cause the first thing we we're going to do is like eat and then go hit the park. So we stop off at McDonald's because like, he's a very picky eater. He's not going to eat freaking hoagies. Um, he sees McDonald's <laughs> and he starts going French fry, French fry. And it's like, that was a first. And then this was Saturday. And then we pull up to the drive through and he says hungry. And I'm like, damn, Henry, like, that's awesome. I'm, and like Shelby was actually in the other car. We kind of like caravan down there. I'm with her dad, with Henry. She's with Charlie and her mom. Split the kids up. Cause like I said, they're, they're going to be like oil and water, especially in the car. Like, and we should, oh God, we should hit on those meltdowns a little bit more, but like I rolled down the window. I'm like, you have no idea what he just said. He said French fry when he saw McDonald's. He just said hungry. Like, this is huge, you know? And, like, it's just, like, it's really, oh it's those, like, gosh. micro celebrations that we, like, we're just, like, so proud of him every single day. But I want to hit on those those meltdowns a little bit, too. So, like, because you were kind of saying, like, every kid gets over things differently. And, like, for sure, like, that's so true. But, like, right. when it's a sensory issue, the only mm -hmm. real, like, solution besides um exposure helps obviously like he's getting better with the exposure right. of just his sister he can tolerate if he's like well fed and he's not that tired but he can actually tolerate some noise in the car even if she's crying which three four months ago he couldn't but um it really is like the only like real way to go is like to kind of separate them 
And if you can't separate mm. him from the stimulus, um, at least this is like what we see. I've never really seen anyone else have like an autistic meltdown, but with him, he'll start coughing he'll start dry heaving. He's, he's thrown up twice because of it. He get, it just, he gets that overwhelmed. Wow. His body gets that overwhelmed. It's almost like an anxiety attack to be honest. And I think a lot of it it's visceral. Yeah, it is. And you can see yeah. like my wife and I, we can see it before it happens because like, we're just like, you know, I guess experience and know what to look for. So like, even with mm -hmm. when his like, instructors are over, like we can say like, Hey, this is getting like a little too much or a little overwhelming or he needs some tent time. He needs to go to a sensory room. Um, like you can kind of see, and I feel like part of the issues he has with his sister, sister in the sound, like he definitely has sound sensory issues, but I think part of it is like the anxiety. Like he's just knows what's about to come. Like he's, he's heard about to have a meltdown and he starts getting upset because he doesn't want to go through those, those feelings. And then we just feel helpless. Interesting. We feel like absolutely helpless and it's hard. And then it creates his parents like anxiety when we just want to like, mm -hmm. like everything we do is like, planned around like autism and like we gotta like really think like what's there that could overwhelm him like what can we like will we be able to like separate them if we have to like can we like her parents live in new hampshire um, like can we drive seven hours like where are we going to be an hour in so we've got this big road trip this weekend where we're going down to delaware to see my mom so go to annapolis that's about three hours kids will nap and then we'll hit delaware it's like another two and a half to the beaches so like three hours is going to be a long car ride for them. And, um, it could go off without a hitch, you know, like I drove them both home from Canova's yeah. on Saturday and that was like a 45 minute drive where they both skipped their naps and they were fine. They're like, well, right when we got into our neighborhood, she started making some noises. He, one of the ways he kind of like deals with it, he'll like, first he used to like mock her noises, but now he just kind of makes like a high pitched scream like a real short high pitch, like scream. So he like did that one. So it's like, all right, we're almost home. We got home. He was fine. You know, got her down, got him fed and like everything was good, but it's just, there's like sometimes like no rhyme or reason to it. Mm. And the other thing too, is like, they're both developing, you know, like he's developing his defense mechanisms. He's developing, you know, he's growing mentally, physically, emotionally, and there is no, algorithm there's no mathematics i can tell you when he's going to be okay with anything ever it's all going to be a crapshoot you're just going to be like a touch and go i think for the rest of your i lives. think that's what's actually really tough about being a, a parent of a child on the spectrum is the unknown and maybe even i don't know if it's like a guy thing. Yeah. i don't want to be like sexist or anything i'm sure my wife feels the same struggles but she has her own struggles with it like mine personally i think in the beginning it wasn't like what are like his challenges going to be? I just like, I think you kind of worry like what his like um, strengths are going to be in the future. Cause I mean, mm. as a parent, you just, you want your kid to have an easy life. Um, anyone <laughs> to say differently, Amen. like, come on. And like, but you just, you want them to be able to form independence. So like, I think that's what I really struggle with. I'm like, how will this affect him in the future? And like, will mm -hmm. he be able to live independently? Which I think I, I think he will. And like a lot of, he's been evaluated through like all sorts of different programs to be like eligible for the, the programs and the early interventions that he gets. And like a lot of, when you read through these like 30, 40, 50 page, like evaluations, like a lot of them say like, like, I guess Shelby and I just kind of take it for granted, but like we are doing everything we can because we couldn't expect to do yeah. anything differently or like bury our head in, in the sand. And like, everyone says like right. the prognosis will be good through early intervention and work at home. 
and they say like, mm-hmm. we're seeing them, like all those instructors just say like, as a team, we're doing a really good job. Like we're both on the same page. I think that's just super important for parents to be on the same page. And it probably goes just in general for anything. So important. Oh my God. A hundred percent. It's funny that you say that. I think this so vividly, like parents just want their kids to have the path of least resistance and you can't choose for your kids. Like, and there's some things that are controllable and there's other things that are uncontrollable. Right. So like we can't control autism, right? Um, we can't control a multitude of other things. I don't have the same struggle as you. I have a different struggle. And I think what it comes down to for me and probably parents in general is that relatability. So I want my son to have a beautiful life, right? Of course I do. Who doesn't? My son is obsessed with all things girl. He wants to wear girl clothes. He wants to wear girl shoes. He wants to have girl hairstyles. And I don't care. Like he's four. So let him express himself. So he's, he's navigating the world. He's figuring out who he is. Right. Right. And every time somebody calls him a girl, I want to punch them in the face because he has a pretty face. Like he, he, to me, he looks like a boy, but to so many other people, especially with a pigtail in, and he loves to wear my tennis shirts, um, because I play tennis. And so he wants to put on mommy's tennis shirts and he wants to walk around like that. And, and every time somebody says something, I like, I get tense. And how could you not get tense? I don't, I don't care if he's gay. I don't care if he's transsexual. I don't fucking care. But it is that parental instinct that I don't want anybody coming for my son. I don't want, and I live in Florida and it's the South and there's a lot of judgment and people have a lot of assumptions and they think if you let your kid wear pigtails and a freaking pink shirt, like he's queer and you're like, you know what? He might be queer and that's fucking okay. But what is not okay is for adult to undermine a four-year-old. That is not okay. That's disgusting. And I struggle with that. And it's a different struggle than yours, but it's the same goal. It's like, I get so angry and frustrated and like, because I just want him to be happy and I want him to be accepted for who he is and what he is, whatever that may be. He might be side gender, heterosexual, like white male to the day. Like, that's great. What? I, but he might be a trans lady down the, I don't, I don't know. And that's not my journey to take. It's my journey to support him in his, in, in whatever course he, you know, pioneers. That's my job as his parent. Right. But I got to say, it takes a lot out of me every day when I have to answer the same question 800 times and I don't understand other people. So whereas I can't understand what it's like to raise a kid on the spectrum, I can understand what it's like to have some, to have other people probably question your parenting to have comments about your child to to make you know assumptions about your child to label your child and you're like he's a toddler and he's got a different set of rules that and he's got a different brain than other kids so let's just let him figure it out because 
to your wife's point, he'll blossom when he's going to blossom. And however that blossom turns out is going to be beautiful. So why are we talking about this now? We don't know what the future holds, but it's so easy to live in the future when you should be in the present than vice, than vice versa. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, I sense the same kind of worry oh. that, that I was like expressing where it's like, it seems like you're obviously you're dealing with the bullshit of just like opinionated strangers and like questioning mm-hmm. your parenting. It's disgusting when you're doing an absolute excellent job, job, just allowing your child to express themselves. I mean, Jesus, like that's what everybody should be doing, but it's that's like, my, yeah, my... you, you know, obviously you worry about, I'm sure your kid getting bullied in middle school and high school. And like, even if he's, yeah, he's heterosexual, four. but like, dressing in like feminine feminine clothes or whatever maybe like put nail polish on like someone would call him gay and like just like the bullying and and if he is gay like fine fine by me yeah but right hopefully uh hopefully we'll be living in a new generation at some point where just it'll be a little more acceptable that's what i hope i mean uh that has yet to be seen and you know there's so many factors that play into that. No, I got you. You got a new generation of assholes for sure. Yeah. It, <laughs> that's so true. I'm the mom who knows Nada. My name is Brianna. That was part one with Jimmy, the spectrum of fatherhood. We're going to bring him back later this season for part two, where we dive into more all about parenthood and things that surprised him and many.